Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Hi everyone, we are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL, that's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L, and Believe.com. This week we go over the winter event, the upcoming Overwatch book, and the Game Awards. Hello, 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 everybody. Hope you're having a great December. Welcome to episode 17 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Uh, yeah, uh, we're back again. Hooray. How's hey. your week been, Kevin? Uh, it, it's been all right, actually. Yeah, I, I really don't remember what I did this weekend. <laughs> Other than, um, yeah, pretty much work on the Overwatch event. Just try to get everything that is to come, you know? Um. I've been playing in a lot more pickup games recently, um, and I'm trying to up my skill a little bit, and then I'm helping out a couple of friends who are trying to climb, um, giving them some tips and tricks on how to play main tank. So that's that's what I've been doing Overwatch-related, at least. Um, How about you? Um, I've started playing Mystery Heroes for the first time in ever. I never used to play Mystery Heroes just because, I don't know, I felt like just bashing my head against a wall in competitive Mm -hmm. but it's actually i'm having more success in mystery heroes than i am in my normal games so i'm okay with that except they keep giving me snipers and i'm as i've said before i'm not a sniper i am terrible at sniping but for some reason i always get put on sniper yeah it's one of those things well like especially with mystery hero you always get the hero that you play the least and yeah so not you're just not ready for it and that's just how it is so I think that's absolutely hilarious, but if anything, it teaches you... I think the most important part of Mystery Heroes is that it teaches you how not to die, um, right. like how to dodge yeah. and like try to survive for as long as you can, because the longer you survive, the more ult charge you get, and the you know, ults really are important, especially in Mystery Heroes. It could literally change the way how uh, a team wins or loses a fight. Right. And I was grouping up with someone from the the league that I'm attempting to actually join right now, uh, Dragon My Sack 52. Again, I was playing with him and I was on Widow and he was on Mercy. And I'm like, oh God, they gave me Widow. I'm not good at sniping. He's like, well, you're going to learn. So every single time I died as Widow, he'd bring me back. It's like, nope, you don't get off that easy. That's the longest I've ever played as Widow. I got, I think, two kills. Were they both like four revives, I got two kills. So Were they headshots though? One of them was. Okay. I headshot at Lucio as he was jumping. It was fantastic. There you go. That's that's the beginning of every sniper. You start out with missing eighty five percent of your shots, but that one shot that you land just feels so good. Oh yeah. Uh, are you going to see Star Wars this week? Uh, I would like to, but I kind of don't want to go on my own. Sadly, uh-huh. I'm trying to like convince friends to get out of the house for once, which is kind of it's kind of difficult, especially when everybody's kind of broke. For the holiday season yeah this is so, true we just had black friday exactly it's I, I would like to have friends over and go and see you know star wars i missed out on frozen 2 as well just a whole bunch of just movies that i haven't been able to get to so i hope i can over the over this break we have a little bit of a break to breathe you know so yeah let's just hope that i have the time to do that I bought two tickets and I'm just trying to find out a friend who like actually wants to go with me. It's like, Hey, Hey, I have an extra ticket. You want to go? Do you want to go? 
Do you want to go? Do you want to go? And so far, I have two maybes. And then if like my my best friend's like, all right, if neither of them go, I'll be your backup. I'm like, okay, cool. So we'll see. We'll see how 40 years of Star Wars finally ends. Dude, 40 years of Star Wars. That's insane. Yeah, it seems like a lot compared to, well, I mean, it's been longer than our lifetimes. So. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. both of us put together, you get a Star Wars. One Star Wars, like <laughs> what, nine movie saga plus extra stuff. Are you watching The Mandalorian right now as well? Oh, yeah, I, finished, I, I caught up. Okay, I caught up. Yeah. I haven't watched any of it because we don't have Disney Plus, but uh, I, I am not that I not that I advocate this, but I've I've heard tell that it's on one, two, three movies. Mm. All right, all I right. Think we're just time? not ready. Yep, we can head in. Okay, so this news story is actually pretty old. It's from October, but somehow it just came to my attention this week. But Overwatch is getting a children's book from Scholastic. It's called The Hero of Numbani. So obviously we're not talking about Doomfist. We're talking about Ify and Orisa. Yeah, so it's supposed to come out next year, 2020. It's actually going to be in young adult fiction, so not actually children's. The news was broken through an Amazon listing, which it happens a lot now that I've noticed. Like News about entertainment gets broken through the merchandising because merchandising companies don't know how to keep things quiet they just release their ads or their products without any consideration of what spoilers may come i'm going to read the description on amazon of what this book is about all right in the technologically advanced african city of numbani in the not so distant future humans live in harmony with humanoid robots known as omnics but when a terrorist tries to shatter that unity a hero named ifi oladel I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Ola Rises. Ify. Ify is there. Ify has been making robots since she was little. Machines to make her community better and improve people's lives. But as she witnesses Doomfist's catastrophic attack on the city's OR-15 security bots, Ify feels the call to build something greater. A true guardian of Numani. While Doomfist sows discord between humans and Omnics, Ify engineers an intelligent and compassionate robot, Orisa, named after the powerful spirits who guide her people. Did not know that's what the name came from. Orisa has a lot to learn before she's ready to defeat Doomfist, but Ify has some learning to do too, especially when it comes to building and being a hero. With Doomfist rallying his forces, then the military powerless to stop him, can Ify mold Orisa into the hero of Numbani before it's too late? This action-packed novel features an, the fan-favorite characters Ify, Orisa, Doomfist, and Lucio in an all-new orig- original story straight from the minds of the Overwatch game team and critically acclaimed author Nikki Drayden. That was a lot of reading. What do you think about this new book, Kevin? We have a cookbook, and now we have a young adult book. Uh, I'm glad that we have this. I feel like especially for those who like to read either light novels or novels in general, it allows us to dive deeper into the lore. Um, and also, you know, gives more products for us to purchase. It's, it's one of those things where, like, you wouldn't necessarily know about it, but I'm glad that, like, we finally picked up on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but... Yeah, I feel like this is really, really good as well. We only got a little bit of a taste of what uh, Ify is known for. Like, she built Orisa, and Orisa talks about, like, you know, how how much she spent to build her and all that stuff. Um, so I think that this would give us a more in-depth guide of what happened and how Orisa became, you know, Orisa. Um, I also feel like it's it would probably give us a lot more like concrete written lore about the origins of how Doomfist broke out and how they got the gauntlet. Cause right. Arisa came out before Doomfist was announced. So I feel like it's important for us to learn about the origin of Doomfist as well. And then, you know, if there is anything we can talk about um, Lucio being from Numbani as well. So, or he's technically from Brazil, but 
there's posters and stuff of him earlier before they said anything about Ify coming onto the scene. So, like he had a concert scheduled in Numbani. Yeah, and I also feel like it's it's important to see where the other heroes fall into this as well. Um, Right, because still in in the game, you know, Numbani is still locked down. There's no. No, well, at least the airport is like the airport isn't cleaned up. Is there an, an explanation for why that why that's a thing or mm-hmm. so on and so forth? And it's like we've said before, like with characters like Lucio and Arisa, we, we don't know how they fit into the greater like the greater like lore and um, affiliation with the Overwatch team, like the actual organization Overwatch. So hopefully this will show us how they kind of play into all that because like all we know about lucio is that he's a dj he's a freedom fighter and he and um symmetrous companies are in conflict we know all we know really about ify is that she made arisa she's a genius and she's a big fan of lucio's music through a voice interaction that arisa and lucio have and that's pretty much it that we know about them so by now um most if not all of you have probably played the winter event. Um, it's mostly the same as last year. We did get a new free-for-all um, May mode with three snowballs instead of one this time, and you're able to catch the snowballs, which is actually really cool and better than just getting one-shotted and not being able to carry more than one snowball at a time. I love the new snowball game. I'm just going to say that right now. I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, it's just a rehash of may snowball offensive nah it's way funner um the ability to hold more than one snowball is really big if you guys don't know already uh you may have gotten cheese by this but if you put a ball and then you shoot a snowball at said wall it breaks the wall it breaks that like one pillar of the wall so if somebody's trying to run away you can like force them to commit a snowball to break it. it it's only good if you have more than one snowball though um, but it is a thing if you want to go and get through. And then the catch mechanic, I feel like, was just perfect. Like, it has a one-second cooldown. Um, you have to time it right. Um, and you really can't spam it either. Yeah. So That's you have to... That's the thing that saves the catch, is the inability to spam. Yeah, and there, the cooldown you could totally take advantage of. It's the exact same if you want to think about it this way. Um it is only half a second. No, not even. It is the same amount of time as Diva's Defense Matrix. So with the second she puts her hand down, you have 1.5 seconds to shoot her again. So think about that next time that you're in Snowball Offensive. Uh, or I'm not going to give away all my tips and tricks. I still want, you know, loot boxes. Especially you still want to win? still want to win. I mean... Uh, so I won't get, I won't give them all away, but honestly, I do love the way how they redid the snowball event. It's not where it's two teams, they go at each other, and then you have to wait if you get fragged early. You have time to refresh and then go out and go get yeah, you whoever. Can respond. Hooray! It's like a, a a battle royale except without the annoying waiting. Exactly, you you're constantly going back in and out. It's the same thing as a deathmatch game, and it feels like there's always more stuff going on, and it's a lot more fun. I'm really glad that they actually did something different this year because after, um, after what happened with Junkenstein, when it was literally the same thing with yeah, they didn't change the hero rotation; it was just the same. Um, I was really worried that it'd be the same thing this year because, as we know, the Overwatch team is focusing mainly on getting overwatch 2 done and out to us so at least they're they're not giving us entirely new content but they're giving us something new enough to keep us occupied that is still fun what about the new skins what do you think about those i really like the rat king one and i'm really liking the rhyme one yeah i do enjoy those ones like rhyme i bought immediately because i am a tank player so that was one that I got immediately. I do like Mountain Man for McCree as well. I think that that's a really cool skin. Um, it doesn't have the annoyingness of like extending your hitbox like it does with the Scrooge skin. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're not going to get spotted if you're crouching down behind a rock or something. In terms of like the other skins, I do like how they kept it kind of a low number this time. Yep, that way, if you really want it, you can get it and you don't feel like you're missing out on a lot. Yeah. And then on top of that, I do enjoy the weekly event kind of thing again. They kind of brought the same idea that they did with the Halloween event, right? Yeah. I like how they're doing that now. Like that's, I think that's becoming the thing that they're doing to keep us playing throughout the event, not just rush at the beginning to get everything and then forget it. Yeah. And it's a lot more easy to digest that way too. You have, you're spreading it out over the course of three weeks and you're incentivizing players to come back, which is probably the best part about it. And then in terms of the, the weekly skins, is there any of them that you have that you specifically like to get or are you just going to get all of them because we're just going to be playing anyways or yeah i'm getting all of them just because like why not it's a free skin which i do like like there's been times in events in the past where no matter how many loot boxes i get i don't get any of the skins so at least this way someone everyone gets something that's event themed um i really like the ugly sweater 76 the moira one as as a dps moira i'm not feeling it too much i think i'm gonna stick with my black watch skin for now but i like the comparisons that people have done from the snow angel to elsa like have Mm. you seen the um the pose comparison that they did no i did not see the pose comparison they just did a side by side between like there's a reason behind the skin it's not just a recolor it's like okay we understand what you're doing with this like as opposed to the moira it's just like oh christmas recolor like with the snow angel it it looks enough like elsa yeah i totally agree with that i do like the soldier 76 skin i feel like that was probably the best one out of the lot and then the moira one i've we have a joke in our discord so far but uh everybody's saying it looks like jared leto's joker <laughs> oh my god it does so we're, we're just like hey who it's jared invited leto. Joker? yeah who invited jared leto to the game okay <laughs> cool uh jared leto got an invite yay new character for overwatch confirmed uh <laughs> but and then the Snow Angel Mercy is still pretty nice as well. Uh, the colors on it is really nice, and it really does match with the forest skin. If you want to go back to the the other winter skin, I forgot what it's called. Um, oh, let me let me look at it right now. It's yeah, called but frostbite. It, yeah, so if you use the frostbite skin and the Snow Angel skin, consider using those as tactical advantages. If you ever go into a map with blue skies. Uh, might help with a little bit of the blending. So, also the old Sombra Winter Skin and the new Sigma Winter Skin are both called Rhyme. So there's been a lot of fan art online that's either putting them in like a relationship or having them like a father daughter relationship. Do you think that was intentional or did they just like, oh, we forgot we named Sombra Rhyme too? Oops, too late. I think it was yeah one of those things where they decided oh man rhyme would be such a good name for the skin uh and then they were like wait we already give it to somber and they're like screw it we can't come up with a better name let's just give it um, like Heike, they just could have called him lich king or something or like frost king yeah that that would have worked too it, or icicle true it's probably just one of those things where they just either one got lazy or two just forgot what they wanted to do if you want to go into the other stuff with the loot box as well, I feel like the emotes that we had, we got the Winston oh, yeah. ASL one, which is really, I think is really cool. Honestly, I feel like every hero should have that as as a uh, potential emote. Yeah, anything to, again, anything to increase representation and inclusivity is good. Based on what I've read online, um, the actual sign language symbols that they use I think for Winston was created by a fan. Yeah, they had, I forgot, they had a short video about the kid who would come over and watch the Overwatch games and they would have a signer for them and they didn't have, you know, signs for each hero. So along with the fan, they were able to create multiple ASL gestures in order to describe each hero. So the one for Winston is, you know, how he uses Primal Rage. Um, 
there they showed the one for genji too it's like pulling out a blade i hope that they include this later down the line for each hero it if anything it'd be just a really cool nod to the fan if you could have uh something that you created included in the game what would it be oh man i don't really create anything i feel like if they want to go down the same route that dota 2 had i guess like announcer packs hmm where you would have like because that's probably one of the only things that i'm like really good at is just saying words hopefully yeah it, it would be pretty cool to have like for example like right now it's just like it's not echo it's athena right so athena's voice yeah is the default so Although if you we'll had data on on um canada yeah we'll be getting mandata and then we'll get echo for some of the story missions as well so i feel like if there was a possibility to have other heroes maybe um and then maybe even like i'm just saying i'm gonna throw this out and i know that blizzard might hear this but can we have a jeff announcer pack jeff yeah just have jeff and he's just like Every map hey guys. has to, if you have it, every map has to start with him saying, Hi, this is Jeff from the Overwatch team. Yeah. Attack commences in 30 seconds. Like, you know, just stuff that Jeff would just bring a little bit of a flair to. And you know that it would be really nice to have that. And then like whenever you die, like a picture of Jeff wearing one of his outrageous outfits has to pop up and say whoopsies, like Mortal Kombat style. Yeah, I feel like that would be really appropriate for uh, if you're just playing Doomfist whenever you hit uppercut, it just pops up in the corner. But I do enjoy the fact that if they were to change up anything, I feel like announcer packs would probably be the way to go. You could essentially get the voice actors back in a role where each player can play their game to their own custom style. And also, Blizzard, if you want to either sell them for loot coins or you know you could i wouldn't even mind putting them behind like an overwatch league wall kind of thing where you have to get overwatch league tokens to get the announcer packs i i would be okay with that as well because then you're incentivizing people to watch a league but or put them behind uh watching contenders coins yeah you know just we just need you know help contenders but for real like any form of spice to either the announcer or any any way possible i think would be a really cool way to add more content to the game one more thing that i wanted to discuss winter event wise uh other than the the may highlight intro that we had where she's you know plugging in lights around the around the screen i do think that the sombra regifted emote is actually really clever the Um, robot one yeah, so if you consider Zarya has a emote already where she starts pulling out things out of a present box and one of them happens to be a robot and she crushes it with her hand. Um, Somber gets that same robot, does the same thing, and then she explodes it as well. So I feel like those are hilarious nods. I was like, what if she opens the box and it's like Arissa's dog? Like, how are you going to hack the dog? Like, is that, <laughs> that going to be a thing? Um, well, anything can be hacked and anyone, so... It'd be funny if she, like, gets the dog, hacks it, and it, like, plays dead. That, that would be a cute one. You know, the winter event is going to be going until the second, um, which I have kind of a weird opinion on that. I felt like you could have extended it to the ninth and it's been okay. It's a little okay. too soon to, to end it, considering a lot of people are going to be gone for the holidays exactly like there's not going to be enough time to either play catch up and like i would have been fine even if they pushed it back another week like if they released it tomorrow on the 18th and then let it go until the what the 9th of january that would have probably been a better time you have to consider that right now um people are finishing up finals they're not gonna be able to they're like just starting to get out of school. So if anything, dropping it either this week or next week or well, technically this week would have been way better. So people who are just finishing up college can actually have time to go and play instead of it ending in the middle of winter break for them. OK, I don't actually understand what this means in context. A post that I saw from the Omnic Post says patch 1.44 
was deployed to the PTR introducing party flex for role queue. Players can now pick multiple roles even if they are in a party. A big com- uh, comfort of life change for flex players. I don't normally party up. I'm normally solo queuing and I just click all the boxes anyway. So I'm not particularly sure how this has any impact. Do you have more insight on this, Kevin? I feel like I have a couple of friends who do prefer to flex. So Yeah, I'm a flex player normally until roll queue came out. I was flex. So yeah, it really depends on the specific group of players that you're playing with. I do understand that this is really kind of locked into groups only because let's say if I'm like mid plat, but my friend's diamond or my friend is like mid diamond on support and like like low plan on dps right he can technically queue for both of those because we're in the same group and it will it'll just give us a slightly different average sr depending on which position they put him in but the party flex role is essentially just used to say like hey i'm willing to fill in on any other position that i can possibly do it on um it kind of does defeat the purpose of you like queuing in to a specific role but it does make it easier if you're playing with like a group of four or three um and it might help with queue time so we'll see how that plays out and uh if it does help out i miss just being able to randomly flex on the fly like it was horrendously unbalanced for the game where we just got where that gave us goats and things like that but i don't know i i would play depending on the map, the portion of the map, and, like, the scenario. I just feel like it's one of those things where, like, the second they limit... They, the second that they introduced roll queue and, like, roll lock, it made the games much more organized. And that's kind of what I was looking for. Right. So we don't have to see, you know, the same things over and over again. Um, because now there is variety. And especially with this new patch coming in, there is a lot of variety. Like, I just... Uh, last night I was playing in a pickup game and we had like the most weird team compositions and it was working because we kind of just kind of meshed together really well. So Mm -hmm. in terms of like play style, like we had Ryan ball and I was on tracer and we had a (laughs) Ash, like it's not something that you would normally see, but it worked out because we kind of know what we're trying to do with it. So it's going to be weird for the next couple weeks. I'm going to guarantee that. I honestly don't think that we're going to have like a solid meta until people, until the Overwatch League comes back because not going to lie, people are kind of like sheep and they're just like, oh wait, the pros are doing it. So I have to run it now. Um, Yeah. I mean, unless you're down in gold and silver, then anybody plays whatever. Yeah. And you play whatever. And as long as you're comfortable on it, like you should be doing okay. Um, But yeah, it's one of those things where once the Overwatch League exposes like, oh, this is the meta, like you have to play that. Um, And we don't have that for the the moment. We don't have Overwatch League until February. So uh, I feel like right now we're in kind of a really healthy state of Overwatch where everything is pretty much viable. It's kind of weird to look at it like that because like, like you said, right now we don't have a meta, so everything's viable. But as soon as the League comes in, like you have people just abandoning what they'd normally pick just to to ape the pros so it's weird to see how watching overwatch league and and having it be present kind of harms gameplay in a way if anything it harms creativity in terms of what you can play yeah the creativity is what it harms like you can play whatever you want really um as long as your team is willing to play around you or play with you you should be able to execute like you know if you're comfortable on a hero you're going to be popping off on it regardless um it doesn't matter what the meta is if you can outplay your opponent on the thing that you know most you are gonna do really well um I do understand that some sometimes people will think like, oh, it's a set meta, so I can't play anything outside of said meta. But mm-hmm. if you know your character inside and out, you can outplay anything. It really does come down to who's piloting said character and how well you can play it. It's, it's like how you were talking about like 
you're good at playing Winston, but as soon as you hop on Winston, people will like rag on you for, for not playing to the meta when like, no, you can actually play Winston. It's just everyone is such sheep. Yeah, it's one of those things where, especially if you're like, one of my other friends that I play with has like a ridiculously good Genji, right? And Genji's not yeah. like the greatest character right now. But if I'm on Ana and he's on Genji and we have a Winston, it's going to work. Like, we just have to play it a different way. You have to have a different mindset, which is why, mm-hmm. like, literally anything can work. And as long as a, as long as a team understands that, it's probably the best way to, to think about it. I mean, if you want to go back to it, the Shock did this exact thing. Like, they don't, they weren't running us very specific, like, hard composition when they were going on you know control points and stuff like that so like they would have striker on tracer and sinatra on doomfist or something like that um i mean we've seen rascal on farah and architect on bastion you know it's not something that's always like 100 percent. like architect could always go on to widow if he really needs to like having a fluid composition as well it's just as long as you know what heroes you're gonna play you're gonna do well I mean, down down in silver and gold, most of us have no illusions of ever making it to pro. So we just play what we want to play, and we have fun with it. So I've I've never had to justify. Well, occasionally when people take it a little too seriously, but in general, I don't have to justify my choices to other people. Just as long as I can perform on it. Okay, so uh, more league news this week. Uh, Custa from the Los Angeles Valiant joins Jake in retiring from the Overwatch League, but also joins Jake in becoming a staff member for the Overwatch League. So Jake is going to be doing his casting thing officially now as uh, not as a pro player, but as a caster. And Cust is going to join as an analyst. So he's going to be doing what Zoe and, and the halftime gang do. Um, I didn't see Custer retiring, but... I'm glad that as someone who was very prominent in playing in the league, um, he kind of was the face of the LA Valiant. Um, I'm, I'm glad that he's, again, like Jake, showing that after you retire as a player, there are still ways to be involved and continue to make Overwatch esports a career. Um, I think depending on how both these guys do, like we've already seen Jake is very good at commenting we'll have to see how custa is at his analysis but depending on how these two guys do and how how they can show that it's valuable to have an ex-player on the desk or taking a a non-player role um i think it can definitely breathe more life into what the overwatch lake is and can be as a career choice um especially since the league is so new and we're still really still figuring things out three years into it. Um, I'm excited to see what this brings into um, our play, having uh, former players in the league um, actually able to give their insight when, during the, while the games are running during the halftime, um, hopefully sharing stories about what it was like when they were playing and how it's different now and seeing how their their voices and predictions are different from what we've been getting thus far. So I have a specific like thing that I remember, especially from Custa. He used to do these really informational streams where he would break down reasons why like people get caught out or he would analyze his own gameplay on stream and it was really helpful, especially for if you're a new Overwatch player or you're even a veteran, you want to understand how Custa thinks that like, just go back to his old VODs on his Twitch. And that's where you would learn the origin of like how he thinks. Um, And I'm really glad that he decided to transition. He may understand like, Hey, you know, the, the LA Valiant right now, you know, we heard that they're doing a whole budget cut thing. So with that in place, Custa probably, won't find a spot on another team um just because of their record and you know it anybody would be lucky to have him especially as a leader on the team but seeing his 
thought process come to the analyst desk, I feel like is a really important thing to keep in mind. He's going to be a very knowledgeable player who's now going to be able to give us the insight when it comes to playing on the actual desk. So I'm happy for that. And same thing with Jake. I already did a shout out to him. Like he was great at World Cup and he was great at contenders as well. And then he was also at the uh, breakable barrier tournament. Is that what it was called? Yeah, breakable yeah. barriers tournament. Yeah, he was he was there. He was playing, but you know he was there. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to see, especially Jake on the desk. I wonder honestly. I hope that this is the way how it goes. But Lemon Kiwi was currently his like casting partner. They had a very good chemistry together. So I really hope you know from one broadcast GG fam to the other. I hope to see Lemon Kiwi on the play-by-play and have jake on the color uh, commentating because you know i i was fortunate enough to be able to cast with lemon before and she's very knowledgeable very quick you know you you heard her cast on the world cup like she's just great also with custa he also won the um the internet hulk award right yes he did and and that that's like is that a um a teammate or a league-based thing um it's i don't remember it's kind of a league based thing, but it's like the person who had the most impact right. on the community okay. and kind of being like a, essentially it's, like it's like sportsmanship thing, award. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a leadership sportsmanship award kind of, th- kind of deal. So. so he already has that going for him as, as, as a player. So I'm excited to see what that leadership that he has and that sportsmanship brings to the desk. Um, I've made comments before about certain casters I don't like because I think they're just inflammatory for the sake of being inflammatory or offensive for the sake of being funny. Um, and I, I hope that having Custa's influence there will cut that because it's it's kind of ridiculous at this point to have people who are the voice of the league being just ridiculous and offensive for the sake of trying to be funny. Okay, so last weekend, or the previous weekend, which was December 14th and 15th, there was a contenders tournament known as the Breakable Barriers Tournament, and it was held for both the European and North American ladders. And if anything, this really showcased some of the talent that we haven't seen in the league or have seen in the league before. Um, But... It's also continuing on to next week. So if you guys want to support more tier two Overwatch, feel free to watch on December 21st and 22nd. Uh, There's going to be a lot more going on. But pretty much there was only a couple of like things that I really want to highlight from this. I was able to just catch parts here and there. Sadly, I wasn't able to just sit down and watch the entire thing. Um, But there was a lot of either players that haven't been picked up by teams who are now getting picked up by um, by academy teams playing. Uh, we have like Fincy, for example. We've had I'm 37, uh, Kabaji, XQC, you know, and then you have Jake Custa and a whole bunch of other people like in the game playing because they're technically not signed to a team, so they can just go and play in these tournaments for fun, um, <laughs> which I'm really happy um, that we get to see some of, especially for me, like I am really big on Twitch. Um, so it's really cool to see people like Kabaji and Harblue actually get a chance to go toe to toe with these guys. And I was lucky enough to, to watch them come up and I'm really glad to see, you know, high level overwatch being played here. But I feel like one of the most important discussion topics of this whole tournament was, one man known by Ass King. If you know Ass King, he's crazy. Okay, um, he was on the Dallas Morning Stars, but he was on this team known as Yo Yes. Um, and he is an insane Widowmaker, insane like hit scan specialist. Okay, um, if you've ever seen, he actually has a highlight reel, I think, with 
him playing with like Taimu, XQC, Silkthread, uh, Neptuno, and essentially it's just like professional pickup games. And he's just in these servers, just popping off like crazy. And they're like, how hasn't anybody from the league signed this kid yet? Like he is insane. Um, so if you ever get the chance to see any of Asking's plays, like I do understand like hit scan players aren't necessarily like huge during the meta, but you never know. What if what if the meta shifts again? Like you might want to have somebody who's insane as Asking on your team. Um so yeah, if you guys want to keep an eye out for him, definitely do it. Um he's going to be one of those people who's going to be on the up and up, so I didn't I, I didn't get a chance to watch this, but um, something that I did pick up on and I did see was people's things going around about, um, oh, they mentioned asking in the article. Cool. Um, was Kefri was accusing Gator of, uh, of cheating because there's a 10 second clip that he had. Like he went back and he analyzed hours of footage to try to find people who were cheating, which is kind of psychotic. Um, it's a lot of work to do. But he has footage of Gator flicking and shooting a Sombra out of invisibility. And in, on his Twitter, it says, without any audio or visual cues within the first 10 seconds of the game, and that seems suspicious. I think that he's just being a sore loser and just trying to start crap on Twitter. Uh, a lot of people are on Twitter responding to his tweet, defending Gator. It's like, dude the guy has played professional overwatch. Like he's been playing for a while. Like there are certain areas you can expect to see a Sombra. You can expect certain people to be in certain places. You know how people's playstyles are. He just made a very smart and very lucky decision. Like get off your high horse. I, I just feels like there's a lot of toxicity between some of the players in the overwatch league and some of the figures just like calling each other out ridiculously or or making accusations or or actually even cheating sometimes but yeah i feel like a lot of these players just need to do more with their time than analyze five hours of footage and start drama on twitter i think a lot of them need to mature a little bit more i also agree with that there's moments where i remember at least kefri was under a lot of scrutiny as well um i think they were saying that he himself may have been doing Adderall or something like that and people were saying like oh wait do you have ADHD and if so like are you really taking this and this might be his way of just like firing back like not gonna lie Kefri is a great player he's really good at what he does but I'm not here to start drama either I just hope that this isn't his way of just being salty about not being able to play in the league and just trying to bring other people down um I do understand that yes, it must be frustrating to do so much and then not be either recognized for his uh, for his play. But at the same time, like, you're not going to get anywhere by bringing somebody else down. Like, other people will learn and study certain players and, you know, rollouts. Like, it becomes a point where professional players will understand how long it will take you to walk from your spawn all the way to the to the payload like they know it by heart and by time and if you're taking the fastest route they're going to understand where you're going to be yes it looks like a really lucky shot yes it may look suspicious but players have insane game sense like this so you just have to take it for what it is and you can't just like point fingers at anyone you just have to figure out like okay if he really is cheating what what is he using is he using an aimbot is it you know aim assist like, what is it specifically? So if they are going to go and investigate this, let them do it. Like, we just want the answer and we just want everything cleared up. Which bring you bring up Kefri's uh, accusations of Adderall, uh, which brings up a very another question is like, where do, where does Adderall fall within the league? Like, there are people who legitimately need it as a prescribed drug for their ADHD. And there are other people who who do abuse it. Um, and there's a lot of people who use it for other substances. Like I know if you have Netflix, there's a, a really good documentary, um, by Allison Clayman called, um, take your pills. I think it, yeah, it's called take your pills. It's about the Adderall usage in college kids. 
and in Silicon Valley and like both sides of the argument, why it's bad and why for some people it's necessary or it's not a big deal. Um, so th- there, there's, I guess, people who, who look on both sides of that issue. But what about the people who legitimately need Adderall and who aren't abusing it? Like once you start, I guess, regulating the use of Adderall for people who are abusing it, how do you regulate the people who need it? Yeah, I feel like it could become one of those things where you're, you're before marijuana was legal in California, people would just go to a doctor and say, oh, I have like a stomach ache, I, you know, and then they'll just be written a weed prescription or whatever, like a yellow card or whatever that thing's called. Um, so you can possibly see like team doctors possibly abusing this as well. Like who actually needs clearance to have Adderall and who doesn't um and right now from what I know or what I've heard so far I don't think that there's like massive drug testing for Overwatch League so is Adderall going to be like our Russian doping epidemic if it does give you performance enhancement like in terms of focus I definitely could see it be that way but I hope not. I just hope that Overwatch League stays as pure as it can and people are just trying to pop off as hard as they can. So throughout my Facebook scrolling, another a thing that I saw this week was um, somebody made a, a demo of what skin customization might look like in, in Overwatch 2. Um, so this being like all the different skins have their like different pieces, right? Like some pieces have different helmets or different hair, different outfits, different weapon looks etc etc so this user grzngt they uploaded a video of what if overwatch had character customization on one hand i think it's it's cool to be able to mix and match things but on the other hand i think it looks kind of wonky like you you could you're gonna have people who have their very unique customizations and like giving giving us more ways to interact with the skins is always great but also I think it kind of cheapens the the looks a little bit of the skins. It kind of, I guess, invalidates a lot of the work that goes into putting this these skins together. What, what do you think about it, Kevin? Would you want to see um, a mix and match mechanic in Overwatch 2? I feel like the mix of skin mechanics are okay. Um, I do understand that mixing skins could create a lot of joke skins, which I think is kind of hilarious in a way. But Meme it does... Culture. Yeah, meme culture. Like, just imagine, like, a roadhog with a fish tank on his head holding a candy cane with the root off the red nose reindeer stomach. Like, you're you're going to be so triggered if you get killed by that. So, <laughs> I feel like it's really cool to give that kind of freedom to your characters. But at the same time, it does cheapen the look of, like, all the skins in general. Um, yeah. And then, if so... If this was a thing, hypothetically, would each piece become its own individual thing for loot boxes? In other words, like skins are now broken up into head, body, feet, gun, like hmm. each individual like thing. Are we farming more loot boxes to get individual pieces? And if so, does that mean that you might not be able to complete a full set of skins? because you're not able to get it oh damn see the way i was thinking of it was like once you get the skin you unlock all the parts but from like getting people to keep playing more perspective having to unlock the parts individually is going to get people to grind even harder and play even more during like special events and stuff again this is all completely hypothetical but that would be that would be both really I guess a good move for them, but it'd be so frustrating for us. Like imagine yeah. like never be, no matter how many years an event goes by, like you're, you're not able to get the one part that you want. The one part that you need to complete the skin. Yeah. I feel like that is not something that overwatch would do, especially since they put so much work into like making the skins, but having them being torn apart by players is probably something that they don't want to happen. Um, but yeah, I feel like if it were to go down this route, do you think that players would be willing to, you know, definitely they're going to take apart some of the skins. Like you're going to have an 
you're gonna have flip flops on on a ugly sweater soldier 76 like in the middle of the summer or something like that you know uh right you're gonna have a lot of like really hilarious joke mix-ups but yeah i do understand like both sides of this like one gives more customizations to the players but at the same time like it could ruin the overall aesthetic and feel of each skin um and then you know the whole loot box situation if that does go down and you buy you have to like buy each individual pieces of a set would you probably play it if they made loot boxes cheaper in a way like it costs less experience to to Mm -hmm. get a box like and then you know it's just kind of a slippery slope um so kevin you again you watched more than i did which means you watched the game awards and i just waited to the end to see the recap articles online but yeah overwatch won nothing at the game awards <laughs> he didn't win anything um it yeah. wasn't nominated for game of the year but i noted here that sekiro won game of the year because we've both played it and we've talked about it on the show before and now i feel like i have to go back and finish it you have to finish it now it's I game of the year now i have to finish the game of the year I can't be that one noob who who bought it and didn't finish it. Yeah, so out, out of the categories which Overwatch was nominated, um, in esports, League of Legends won. Best esports player, Kyle Bugha Giersdorf of the Immortals and Fortnite won. Best esports team went to G2 Esports for League. And best esports event went to the League of Legends World Championship. So... This was not a winning year for Overwatch. Totally agree on some of these. Like, there was a lot that went into these award shows, obviously, and Overwatch didn't really get a lot going for it. How can I say this? I'm, I, okay, first of all, I'm really glad that Sekiro won for Game of the Year. It was really pretty and honestly really well done. Congrats to them for winning that. When it came down to the ones that Overwatch was nominated for, um, I kind of, I kind of knew that it was gonna be leaning towards Booga to win Fortnite because it's kind of his year this year. Um, you know, he's one of the youngest players to win what one three point one million dollars or something like that. Dear um, God, yeah, it, it was the big t- Fortnite tournament, and now everybody knows. Oh, you know, Booga is gonna be you know the big name. Um, oh wait, uh, quickly speaking of money, also. For for the contenders thing, their their winnings was between the team a thousand two hundred dollars. Like, what is that? It's pocket that is, change. That is ridiculously low. Like, that's offensively low for yeah, winning and, for for something. Yeah, and you consider that okay. If you break that twelve hundred dollars up, it's only two hundred dollars per player. Plus, like you know, the organization's going to take a cut of it. Like, you're Plus probably going to. Plus the coaches, like, what does that cover? Like airfare? Like that's about it. Like you, you pretty much won this tournament to just stay for free. It's like it's like in in film, you're getting paid in exposure. Yeah, that's some that's some BS, man. Like, it doesn't that's mean anything. Ridiculous. I'm mad for them. Like, that's that's insultingly low. That's it's one of those minimum things. wage, essentially, if you look at it, because they're. For for the time that they have to fly to to practice to prep to like actually be there at the tournament, like that's nothing. That's like I can make two hundred dollars in two days of just minimum wage normal work. Yeah, and you also have to consider that this is tier two Overwatch. Like this is how you're treating your next generation of players. And if anything, I feel like there needs to be a players union of some sort or some way for them to fight for, you know, either better wages or, you know, better winnings in terms of actually doing anything um, with the money that they, that they win. And yeah, it really is insulting to the players. They put in so much time and effort into becoming the best that they can, especially for these tournaments. And they only go, they go home with almost nothing. They just went home and broke even. And in the film industry, once again, Matt said, you know, oh, you're getting paid in exposure. Well, you can't eat exposure. You cannot survive off of exposure. 
My like car doesn't take money. exposure for fuel. My my landlord's not going to take exposure to pay my rent. Exactly. Like you need to really put in monetary value into this or else they're going to all leave. Otherwise it's a joke, which it kind of is at the moment. Like Blizzard is just treating tier 2 Overwatch as a joke. Like players aren't getting recruited from tier 2. Like streamers are just going straight from, oh, I I'm a ca- like I'm just a casual streamer now. I'm in Overwatch League. Like all of a sudden, it literally discredits the whole path to pro. So all these like next generation of players are just getting jibbed. And it's like they didn't work for it, so they don't value it. So people are retiring in droves. Like the kids in tier two and tier three Overwatch are like working for this as a goal. I on I think that like if you actually rewarded them for the time that they put in, they would probably stay a lot longer because this is something that they've, this is them achieving a goal. And that if, if you reward them for that, then you're going to have people who stick around longer because it's the fruition of all the blood, sweat and tears that they put in. But back to the game of the year awards. Yeah. So the game awards were actually like really, I, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't like as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's just, it's just me in terms of like taking a step back, looking at it from a production standpoint. They actually did a pretty good job. And they said that the awards started at 530. The main ceremony started at six, but they did give away a lot of reward or like a lot of awards before like the even official show came on. So they were just kind of like giving them left and right, kind of like a like Oprah Winfrey during the Christmas specials. They're just giving away <laughs> awards. Yeah, some of them they just kind of glazed over. And I'm like, wait, like I wanna I wanna see like accepted speeches for some of these. Like esports host. Like they just kinda like they read everybody and then they're like, oh yeah, this person won. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> that's cool. Um and sadly Golden Boy did not win that. Um best esports coach, like Krusty wasn't even nominated for that, which was insane. Um, best esports event, I do understand. Okay, honestly, Evo 2019 was amazing. Um, the Overwatch League Grand Finals was pretty cool too. Um, and I feel like League of Legends won this just because popularity-wise, it is the most popular. Best esports team uh, should have went to the shock. Like, I mean, they, they went from ninth place in the league to perfect staging to stage champions to overwatch league grand finals champions like these guys had like such an amazing trip an amazing road to get to where they needed to be and i i thought that if they were going to win anything i thought it was going to be esports team of the year but they didn't even get that um in terms of esports player, once again, I kind of went over my points for that. Booga is kind of like on the top of the world at the moment, um, so you know he's gonna he's gonna get his recognition for this year. If he tops again, then you know he solidified his point. But I don't see it really happening again. It's kind of it's kind of that thing. I don't want to jinx anybody, but like what happened with Ninja? Like Ninja was like top of the world at some at one point, mm-hmm. uh, and then he tried to get people to floss. Uh, in Times Square, and that never took off. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, now he's on Mixer. We have no idea what else he's doing, but I think he's getting called out on Twitter. Com- yeah, well, compared to, compared to Reggie Phil's aim, exactly. Like he just needs to figure out where he wants to go. And then esports game of the year, like you know, we could all, we could all like start a flame war over this. Like these are all really great esports. Um, so. You know, League of Legends is most popular. They probably won it just because they're 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 good. They're good. Like it's just a good game in general. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No one's faulting League of Legends for winning. No, 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 not at all. Um, another shout out that I want to give, other than uh, you know, Sekiro winning Game of the Year was Fire Emblem Three Houses winning Best Strategy Game. Like when that when that was announced, I I lost my. I lost my marbles for a little bit. I was like, yo, of course, like, if anybody has played this game, like, they understand. They understand, like, what went into this. And it's insane. I love 
I love Three Houses. I'm still trying to play it more, but Pokemon's been eating up a lot of my time. Honestly, if you have a chance to play Fire Emblem Three Houses, go for it. You will find somebody you like and you will enjoy it. I was hoping Outer Worlds would have won something. It, it was a fun, um, it was just Fallout light, but in space, but I enjoyed it. Uh, it was good to see it nominated, so it validated my purchasing it day one. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see that Sekiro won because now it's going to force me to go back and play it. So um, hopefully when Overwatch 2 comes out or maybe even, yeah, when Overwatch 2 comes out, hopefully we'll get more recognition for the game because honestly with them focusing on uh, the, the dev team getting Overwatch 2 out to us, I don't think that um, Overwatch has a chance of be, of winning any of these awards because they're not focusing on supporting the game right now. They're focusing on getting us a new one. But hope maybe they'll prove us wrong. Maybe they'll make me eat my words. I, I hope they do. Yeah, and then one more one more thing. The indie game of the year went to Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium won like so many awards this year. I've never played it. So, you know, I'd if it's winning this one. Yeah, neither have I. Like until the night of the game awards, I'm like, what is this game? Um, and then I didn't even bother to go look it up afterwards, but, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm just like, you know, Slay the Spire should have won that, uh, Slay the Spire, like, yes, I understand that it was in beta for like two or three years, but they officially released, um, by the way, Slay the Spire is a card game where you start with a very basic deck of, I believe it's like 12 cards and then you keep going up and up and you eventually fight like bosses, you get better cards and you build your deck around like getting rid of cards or like essentially you're climbing a spire. And then there's like three separate characters. So each one can play in a very different style from another. Um, But if you guys get a chance to do that, go for it. Um, I'm kind of sad that Tetris 99 did not win best multiplayer game. Uh, That would have been amazing. That would have been hilarious. I would have loved that if it won. Uh, it went to Apex Legends, which, I mean, it's a very solid esport at the moment, and it's also you know a very solid shooter. Um, but yeah, if Tetris ninety nine won over like Division two, Call of Duty, Borderlands three, and Apex, I would have like lost lost everything there. Like it's one of those things where you don't expect it, but if it happens, you're you're not disappointed. Goose game didn't win anything, but oh well, it it was it was really short and it doesn't really have that much replay value. But it was fun while it lasted. It it was funny to see it get all the internet attention that it did and get its nomination. So good on you, little Goose game. Also, if you've seen the uh, presentation at the Game Award, Doctor Bunsen and Beaker from the Muppets they gave away the award. Oh my god. Um, and they had like a little short with like Beaker getting chased around by the goose. So it was really interesting to see. Um, yeah, I just really hope that the game awards do expand from what they, uh, originally what they had last year, by the way, green day did rock the stage too. They were there. It was really cool. Ooh. Okay. I love green day. I got to see them live. Uh, uh, yeah. Once so far I saw them play at the, uh, the Palladium in 2017, no, 2016. Uh, I was the, I still have the, uh, the photo pass. Oops. I still have the photo pass sticker um, attached to my laptop. And I, I'm not kidding. I was the closest person to Billy Joe Armstrong that night for, for a little bit. Cause I was in the photo pit. Like it was magical. And I'm going to go see them at hell Omega. So if any of you are at the LA, date for the hella mega tour shout out well i'll be there too so i have a lot of history with green day like in terms of like my family and how they've hung out with them so or just like people who i've ran into over the course of my career i guess my college career in my life um my uncle used to work at fantasy records which was the place where they recorded half of dookie um and then yeah, that, that was a really cool experience to just see, you know, the they had like a platinum record in in this 
um, at the studio and I was like, Hey, that's pretty cool. Um, sadly fantasy has shut down, but they have also recorded like all of Santana's stuff and just like a whole bunch of just like really cool stuff like that. Um, and then another connection for, to green day is my music video teacher in college, uh, Mark core. He was the one who shot most of green day's music videos. So he was responsible for, if you've, uh, what was that? uh he did basket case he did um time of your life he did uh what other ones just like a whole bunch of just holiday uh, holiday i yeah he just shot a lot of really cool music videos and um i'm I'm really glad that my life is tangled with green day one of the first songs i've ever learned on guitar was holiday like every other kid so (laughs) yeah the one song I can reliably remember how to play on my ukulele is uh, "Good Riddance." So, in "Good Riddance" and "21 Guns," that was Ooh, that was my stuff, dude. One. Yeah. Anything else for this episode, or are we are we all talked out for for these topics? I think we're just about wrapped up here. the The Game Awards was overall really solid. Um, if you guys didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, you could watch my live reactions on my Twitch channel. I'm, I went over it in real time, and you can see me uh, talk about it during. They had did have commercial breaks during the Game Awards, um, which was kind of cool because um, it gave me some time to play Pokemon on stream. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that does it for us for episode 17. Um, if if you are of age. Check out episode 18 when we release that. If not, we will see you in a couple weeks for episode 19 um, to round out this decade. Cool. Adios. Next week, we'll be off for the holidays, but we'll be back in two weeks for the last episode of 2019. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Like what you hear? Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And follow us on all social media at Believe in O-W-L. That's B-L-E-A-V in O-W-L. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to send us an email at Believe in O-W-L at gmail.com. Interested in advertising with the show? Please contact our network at Believe.com. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.